Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Philippians. We're in Philippians. We're talking about the epistle of joy. And uh, I can review, but if I do, then I feel like I have to preach every verse. So I'm not going to review anything. If you want to know anything about the first nine messages, because this is the 10th one, go back and listen and catch up with us, and it'll make sense as it goes. But let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll begin there. This is where we left off last week, and I want to start here again, and hopefully we'll get through more than two verses. If not, that's okay. We'll do exactly what the Holy Spirit wants, amen? All right. So in verses 19 through 26... Um, I put this in here, and it's actually not divided this way, uh, it may be in your Bibles, but you might see this as you go. You're actually going to see the proper perspective in living and dying. And it's going to start on this first part here uh, in verse 19. We're going to, once we get past that, you'll see it. But you'll see the proper perspective in living and dying. Um, Philippians, and we know this, but I'm going to review it just briefly here. Philippians is a, what's considered a prison epistle because Paul wrote it while he was under arrest. So he was actually, technically with this chapter or this book, he was under house arrest. But he was chained to a Roman guard. How many would like that? You know, you talk about contact tracing. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was literally in contact with who was tracing him. Okay, so he was chained to a Roman guard, and this was 24-7. And guys, think about this with me. Why was he chained to a Roman guard? For preaching, for healing the sick, for casting literally more than, I think what got the apostles in more trouble than anything was casting out devils out of people. It seemed like, man, you mess with somebody's money, (laughs) <laughs> it's on, right? It's on. Think about this. This is, this is the world we live in. It's not going to change on this side until Jesus returns. So here's something you need to reserve yourself to. Realize that the prince of this world is Satan. Amen? Now people say, well, we have authority over him. We do. I understand that. But you don't have authority over the whole world and everybody's will. You don't. And even the church collective does not. And people say, well, you know, once we understand our authority, we'll, you know, we'll get the whole world saved. No, 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 no. If Jesus isn't making somebody get saved, you won't be able to. Free will, we talked about this actually in corporate prayer on Tuesday. Free will was the one thing that God dropped into humanity that has the greatest reward and the greatest pain. Literally. Why? Can you imagine if you were the creator and your creation rejected you? You know, sometimes people get a small understanding of this in one of their own children rebelling against their, the parents. But really, we don't understand the fullness of what God did in that. But see, God knew if somebody's really going to love me, they have to have choice. You know, I was arguing with an atheist one time, because I like to do that, because I want them to get saved. I don't argue just to win arguments. I argue for the soul of the human but, but I like to do that, cause, and I like to see if they can stump me on something, you know. Am I the only one that this is this way? I like lawyer types. I should have been a lawyer. No, I got to be a preacher. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> so I, I, I like to see, and this is when I was working for my father-in-law, and uh, I loved this guy that I worked with because he was a legit atheist who knew why he believed what he believed, even though I could punch holes in it like a machine gun. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just so much fun to me. And then see, he would bring stuff up, and I'd be like, well, I never really thought about it like that before, and then I'd go back, and, you know, and I like that challenge. I like to figure things out. It's fun for me. And uh, because I want people to see Jesus, and it's my job. It's my call as a disciple. And he, he brought up a few things, and, and he said, well, if God's so good, why do you let the devil be the devil? You know what I mean? So this is always what it boils down to. And that's not the question you guys do realize, right? 
The question is, why don't you choose to believe God even though there is a devil? That's the question. Why do you act like you can't choose when you can? Amen? That's the real question. So I asked him. I said, because he's married, or he was married. I don't know if he still is or not. Actually, I don't think he is. But he was married at the time, and I just simply asked him. I said, okay. And the Holy Spirit gave me this. And this is one of the reasons why I like being in these situations, because you have to depend on the Holy Spirit to give you the answer. And I like being out. I like the potential of drowning. As long as Jesus will, I go, Jesus, and he'd say, oh, gotcha. You know, <laughs> I like that. Okay, so anyway, he says, I said to him, the Lord dropped this in my heart. Ask him if he wants his wife to love him because she has to or because she wants to. Because, see, that's the question with God. Do you love him? Would you, if people say, well, why didn't just God make everybody obey him? Do you want your spouse to love you because they have to? Imagine you're the creator and you program the creation to love you. You know they're really not loving you. Come on. You guys are thinking now I, I, I can smell it. You know, the gears are turning, you know. You want love to come because the other person wants to love you. God's the same way. So in these situations, like in the, in the Philippian uh, letter here in the Philippian church and where Paul's writing things from, we need to realize that as long as we're on this earth, things are going to be backwards to us. So in other words, as long as I'm on this earth, I get the opportunity to believe God in the face of the opposite of what he's saying to me. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about in regards to, think about if you read through the book of Acts and you read through the different situations that took place in the book of Acts and you think about the different situations and the revivals and the moves of God, what always came with the moves of God? Persecution. Every single time. See, we have an American mentality about revival and it's called comfort. Where the early church did not. So this is something we were, I was talking to a couple of guys before service. And we were talking about this. And the Lord has had me in Acts 4 praying Acts 4. Lord, stretch out your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done. But if you read right before that, you know what they prayed? Lord, behold their threats. <laughs> Go back and read it. See, we like to ignore that. No, no, look up the Greek on that one. Oh, we don't want any threats. We just want the, the right hand, the signs, the wonders, and then I want to go home. <laughs> right? We're going to laugh about this, trust me, because the Holy Spirit will get in it. Think about this, because faith will get in you. When faith gets in you, joy gets in you. Right? The Scripture talks about joy in believing, that's how I know you have faith, because you have joy. Do you know how I know you don't? Because you're mopey. Your Christian mope, mopes a lot. <laughs> it's just mope. It's just mope, mope. You know? You're like the children of Israel. I want to go to the promised land, but grumble, 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 grumble. You brought me out here to die. Yeah, that was the prophetic word. <laughs> You should have left me in Egypt to die. This is, how, this is how unbelievers talk. This is how Christians talk that aren't using their faith. God, oh, this is not fair. You gave us a leader. It's Moses' fault. <laughs> and Moses is going, kill them all, Lord. Just kill them all. <laughs> you know? It's, it's some people. Anyway. Okay. So think about the moves of God in the book of Acts. Why in Acts 4 were they praying the way they were? They had just been what? Persecuted for preaching Jesus. They were just told, you can't preach Jesus anymore. And they walked away from persecution rejoicing that they were persecuted. See, that's not what happens today. 
People come to church and they go, I tried to share Jesus with a coworker and they yelled at me. Pray for me. And the early church was like, they yelled at us. <laughs> for the name of Jesus, I love it. Right? We've been religiously brainwashed and said a New Testament taught. So they go through this persecution and all of that for preaching the gospel and having miracles. Then they get together with their own company and they start praying. And what do they ask for? More of the thing that got them into trouble in the first place. I wonder if we're praying right. I think about this. Lord, give us more of the thing that got us in trouble. And Lord, we know in our own ability we're not going to be able to do this, so you better give us some boldness as well. But go ahead in the process here and stretch out your hand and heal and do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And fill your ministers with boldness. If there's ever a time right now in America where the church needs boldness, it's now. Come on, we got Christians, and I'm just exhorting you right now. This is why I only get through two verses. <clears throat> but you need it. Because some, of you come, some people come in here, or they're watching online, one or the other, full of of the lies of the world and the news media. And you're so full and weighed down by it, your emotions are distraught, which, by the way, is not okay. Because as Christians, our, we're supposed to have control of our soul, our emotions, right? And we're to dominate, why? Because we're supposed to be so full of the Word and the Holy Ghost that these things out here, we look at them and go, like uh, Paul did, none of these things move me. That's what he said. None of these things move me. Because, why? He didn't count his life dear unto himself. So nothing, we see this in Jesus, nothing but what we hear from the Father and what he tells us to do is supposed to move us. Amen? Now, if we live like that, we'll have a whole lot more peace. Now, I don't want you to imagine that you can't do that. Because if you do, you're imagining, you're, you're allowing your mind to be conformed instead of transformed. Now, the next thought that's going to come to you is, well, I haven't done that. This is how the devil works. He's got the same basic bullet points on how he deceives everybody. But the next thought will be, well, I haven't done that. So then I would say to you this. God's not asking for perfection in the sense of your action. He's asking for wholeheartedness, and your action will eventually line up with your whole heart. Okay? So you give him everything. You open up to him wide. You, get, you, lay everything. you don't count your life dear unto yourself. You give him everything. Then the enemy will come in an attempt to stop the faith that's birthed in you because joy and faith is coming to you while you're hearing the word and you're going, yeah, we can actually do this. And then the moment you get out of here, or, the, or as the week progresses, you're going to hear a hundred things, a hundred arrows are going to come to you that are going to say, you don't really believe that, do you? And that's the moment that strong believers stand up and go, I believe. Now watch. Whether you feel like it or not, that is faith. Why? Because you're taking what God said about you. Come on, you can do this. I know people say, well, I don't really believe in myself much, and I understand why we say that, and that's okay, but you can do this. You can grab the scripture and say, he who began a good work in me will complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, I may not look like much, but I know you're much. So I'm going to go ahead and believe in your much to work in this not much. And it will become much. Right? And now watch. That's not for the preacher only. That's for you. 
to put in your mouth to take the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and drive the enemy out of your atmosphere. Amen? That's for you. Because in the midst of what we see here with Paul, he's arrested, he's in prison, he can't go. I love what Paul says. He says, I'm in chains, but the word of God ain't. You know, that's the southern version. Southern Paul ain't. (laughs) Right? You can't chain the word of God. You realize, and I, I didn't... When I was praying and reading over this today and just reading over it and going over it, Paul said, what has happened to me has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Do you know right now, in the midst of what's going on in America, the furtherance of the gospel is happening? There are believers everywhere that are rising up in the middle of all of this, and the true wheat is coming out of the tares. I'm talking about in the church and in America. There's a separation going on right now in the evangelical church. God is dividing it out, sheep from goats. Right now. He's doing it right now. People say, does that happen? Study revival. Study the history of every denomination. You know, this church, before we bought it, was a Wesleyan church. Have you ever read what John Wesley did? Oh my gosh. He prayed for his horse to have energy to preach the gospel and he said his horse had lightning go through it and all of a sudden his horse wasn't tired anymore. Because that was his mode of transportation. It was a gospel horse. That, guy, that horse had to carry the anointing so it needed the anointing. Right? Yeah. They wouldn't even let him preach in his own church. They'd get mad about it. Do you know John Wesley was a failed missionary and then he met the Moravians and got saved? He was a failed missionary, I think to America. And then on the way back on the ship, he met the Moravians. You ever want to have your head flipped? Read the revival of the Moravians. teach okay i would teach i just want to stir you up because you need it you need food in you you need you need the anointing in you you need fire in you some people in here had fire when you were first saved and you you got a little sleepy you got the coals still but we got to stoke that thing (laughs) right yeah how many grew up with the old fireplaces and they had the the set for the fireplace next to it, had the poker, had the little shovel thingy. I don't know the exact names. I got a witness back there. But what else did you have? Remember the blower? What was it called? Bellows. Bellows. Yeah, the bellows. I don't know if that, I didn't know what it was called, but I'd chase my brother or sister around the house with it (laughs) and annoy them. (laughs) But you, you, you blow on the coals, right? That's what we need to do sometimes. So, Philippians 1.19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Boy, that's confident. You know what most people pray today? Well, we'll see what happens and then we'll know God's will. Let me help you with something. You don't know God's will until you hear from God. So don't follow that train of thought. Now, if God told Paul, this is the end, you're going to be martyred here for my name, Paul would have said, this is the end, I'm going to be martyred here for his name. Now, we're going to go into a few verses after this, you're going to think I lost my mind, but you just stay with me and I'll get you back on track. All right? He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You say, I'm going to get through this because I'm strong. No, no, no. You're going to get through it with the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen? You're coming out through prayer. So prayer, this is, we talked about this last week, but prayer is supplication or petition prayer. It's seeking and entreating prayer. So what it is, is continuous prayer. 
You can pray supplication prayers repeatedly for yourself and for your brothers and sisters in Christ and for your family. How many know supplication prayers coming out of a person that's righteous in their understanding because they're righteous in their heart are, are effective prayers? Right? So we are what? We are those who are born again, which means what do we know? We know that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And that always, that power always is working long before you ever know it. My prayers are effective. How about yours? Yeah, that wasn't enough. My prayers are effective. How about yours? Yeah, they are. Yours are effective. Your prayers are effective. That's right. By the blood and body of Jesus. You know, you think about this. Have you ever, you study righteousness, you think about this. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that means God hears your prayers like he hears Jesus's. (laughs) Or you got a lesser Jesus out of the deal, which is not true. We have no scripture for that. So he says this. He says, uh, through your prayer and through the supply of the Spirit, I'll have deliverance. Deliverance is simply salvation. It's rescue, safety, uh, all those things, physically or morally. How many know some people need moral deliverance? All right? Through the supply of the Spirit. Now, supply means this. And this is out of the visual thesaurus for this word. It means an amount of something available for use. Supply is an amount of something available for use. So what is Paul going to get free from his situation with? He is going to get free with the amount of the, or the supply, or the amount of the Spirit of Jesus Christ working on his behalf. What is the avenue or the door that that supply will work through? Prayer. So when you and I pray, there is an opening that happens from heaven to earth. Come on, Jesus said what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are the gate from heaven, according to the body of Christ, to earth so that the Holy Spirit can do what? Work effectively with a supply of heaven in the earth. Now, what's so cool about this? The Philippians aren't even near Paul. And yet their prayers are opening up this supply. So think now with me. Think, 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 think. Think Holy Ghost with me here. That means that the Spirit of Jesus Christ is working in the legal system of Rome, affecting Paul's release. Say with me, my prayers are effective. You see that? Come on, you need to see that in your mind. You say, why do I have to see it in my mind? It's called transformation of thinking. Right? You are transformed by the what? Renewal. Remember, we've talked about this. God didn't say the removal of your mind. He said the renewal of your mind. You know, believers have come up to me and say, I just wish God would take my brain away. That is not what the scripture tells you to pray or to believe. What you are wishing for is you don't want to have to deal with your own mind. You know what, people? It's spiritual laziness. Because they'll read the word and go, I'm supposed to take every thought captive? Yes. I just want freedom, so just pray for me. No, 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 I can't ignore that scripture and just pray for you. Amen? Amen. So, Paul says, this is how this is going to happen. All right, let's go on to verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope. I love this. That in what? Nothing. How many things? Nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always so now also christ will be magnified in my body now watch this whether by life or death now do you think i've lost track on what i said earlier about paul knowing he was going to be delivered i haven't yet just hang on till verse 21 if you need to look ahead to make sure i'm right go ahead (laughs) 
but I've read over this a few times. So Paul says this, according to my earnest expectation. So what is the context of what we're talking about here? What Paul is basically saying is, he's saying, look, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to make sure that Christ is glorified. And I will carry no shame in anything that I do. Now, specifically, specifically, Paul's death here is martyrdom. How many know that if you're a martyr for Christ, God gets glory in that? Christ gets glory in that. This isn't Paul just like wandering around, you know, putting his life in danger with random things like bungee jumping. Paul's not like, well, I just go do whatever I want, whenever I want, so, oh, I guess I'm going to die today. This is not how the apostles lived. The apostles did not walk through life doing this. Well, I get, my number could be up today. I don't know. Well, what are you doing with your life? I don't really know. I have no purpose. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. The apostles and the church and the disciples of Christ had specific purpose every day when they woke up. Every day when they woke up, they went, today I will put to death the deeds of the flesh and put on the glorious armor of light. And I will go out into the world realizing that I'm in a battle, living as a witness to the light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the process of that, if the crowd turns bad, it would be all right if I was to die today for Jesus. In other words, their clinging to life wasn't for personal advantage or fleshly de desires. Their only, their only confidence in faith to stay on the planet was for the purpose of what? Advancing the kingdom. Every person that I know that has lived out a long life, that believers that I know, I've watched, I observe, I pay attention, even though you may not think I am, I am watching I absorb, my wife will tell me, when, when we used to go to the mall, because I had to, there's no point in going, okay, never mind, I'm not going to go there, but anyway, I would sit, I'd, I'd, what I would do is, instead of going with her to the stores, because that's torture, in love, I would sit on the bench in the middle of the courtyard and watch people, favorite thing to do. And I know they think, that guy's weird. Not really. My interest is not weird. I just want to know why people do what they do. And I'll observe and observe and observe. And every person that I've observed that has lived a long, satisfied life lives with, with kingdom purpose. And I've watched that purpose and that faith, like Paul's saying here, earnest expectation and hope carry them through trial after trial. Now, the trials came. God didn't just, you know, poof the trials away. The trials are here. You have a promise from Jesus. In this life, you'll have trouble. So cry and feel sorry for yourself. Be of good. Oh. Have another cup of cheer from Jesus' bar. <laughs> It's spirit-filled. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Okay, so we'll move on. <laughs> Earnest expectation means watching with intense anticipation. Earnest expectation means watching with intense anticipation. Paul is watching with intense anticipation to see when God's going to break through on his promises into this earth because of the prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hope means to anticipate. It actually means, in the vines, the happy anticipation of good. That's what it means, hope. I'm just happy. People say, your circumstances are horrible. I just can't help it. It's going to be great. You know, I'm reminded of the story about Sister Goiter. You guys remember Sister Goiter, right? Well, if you read after Smith Wigglesworth, you remember Sister Goiter. Smith Wigglesworth was going to do meetings in this particular town, and this lady had this huge goiter on her neck. And uh, one year, he came, and she went, and she had hands laid on her. And uh, 
The next year he came back and she said, and he said, uh, is there anybody who'd like to give testimony about what the Lord has done? And she stood up and she's got this huge goiter on her neck. And she said, I'd just like to praise God that a year ago, Brother Smith, you prayed for me and this goiter was healed. It's been a year. Hope. The happy anticipation of good. The next year, and people, you know, people, you know how people are. Well, we all know how we are because we're we we're human. They go, oh, I don't know. What's she doing? She lost her mind. <laughs> the next year he comes back. This is three years now. Anybody would like to give a test? She stands up. Got this huge goiter on her neck, right? <laughs> she says, I'd just like to praise God two years ago. Brother Smith laid hands on me, and I was healed of this goiter. You know, people are... And she could hear him grumbling. So that night when she went to bed, she said, Lord, I pray that you help people see what we already see. Next morning it was gone. That's faith. We believe in what we don't see, and we draw it to the scene for our good and his glory. The happy anticipation of good. Paul says that in nothing, which means not even one, none, that we will be ashamed. Ashamed means disfigurement or disgrace. It means to be shamed. The word carries the idea of being uh, flooded through or suffused. I don't know how to say this word. S-U-F-F-U-S-E-D. Suffused. Is that right? I do know how to say it. <laughs> suffused or flooded through with something that changes your nature. In, in this case, shame. In nothing will I be flooded through with disfigurement of the world or the enemy. But in anticipation of good. So what is Paul doing? He's doing exactly what he trained us to do. He's submitting therefore to God. Resisting the devil. And he must what? Flee. So in the midst of Paul being in prison. What's taking place? All these thoughts. All these pressures. All these circumstances around him. Are coming against him. And in the midst of that he's saying. In none of this. Will I allow your disfigurement devil. To come into me. But in all. All of this I will continue to develop the seed of the resurrection within me and advance the kingdom at the same time. In other words, in the midst of horrible situations, we can do all things to Christ too. See, people think, well, I, my life was so easy and so I started hearing this word of faith message and then all hell broke loose. I wonder why. Because you are the enemy's threat. Because the word of the Lord lives in you. You have been born again of incorruptible. <laughs> the devil's not scared of your flesh. He knows and you know it's dead. He's scared of you and who's in you. That's what he's scared of. So the fight is on, right? Verse 21. I love this. For me, for, for me to live is what? And to die is? Huh. Now most of the world and the church is running around going, fearing death. And death is what? Here's how you live and here's how you die right here. You ready? To live is? To die is? You have purpose. I have purpose. So what are you going to do while you're living? Christ. What if you die? Not an if. When? Gain. Gain. Which means advantage or profit. This verse tells me that Paul dealt with the death issue in his life. Paul understood his purpose in life and that in death it would be a promotion in all aspects. When you have purpose, you don't have to worry because you know why. You know what you're doing. What am I doing? I'm living. What's that mean? Christ is living. 
I put on Christ today. That's my purpose. Now, if you get off your purpose and try and get into your favorite hobby instead of your purpose, even your hobby will be frustrating. Amen? To live is what? Christ. To die is gain. Paul does not say to live as possessions, pleasure, pleasing people, and the praise of others. All these things are fine if they come. Otherwise, he will not concern himself with them. And neither should we. Paul's desire in living is to be, the, to be a servant and to display the character of Christ. As Paul tells the labors of Epaphroditus, as he did in, in uh, Ephesians 2.30, and then also him and Timothy in, in uh, 1 Timothy 1.1, we see his team shared the same vision. So not only did Paul have this vision of to live as Christ, to die as gain, and some people probably called Paul a workaholic, and he was too busy, and he did too much for the kingdom and all of those things, but Paul understood his purpose, and he didn't back away. In fact, those who wouldn't follow in the purpose that God had given him, Paul would just leave them. He was an apostle. He could do that. He'd just pick up and leave. But you don't want to be a part? Okay. And then he'd write about you if you were with him and you abandoned him. I mean, Paul was a lover. He'd just like, I'm covering a multitude of sins. So-and-so has abandoned me for the world. Go ahead and put it in the book for the next 2,000 years for everybody to read. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about that. I'm like, man, you know, it's the same thing with me. We got to get to verse 22. But, but was I in verse 21? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. But sometimes I wonder about Paul. I read through his stuff and I'm like, you know, he, he dotes on Timothy. How many have noticed that? He like oohs and ahs over Timothy. Like, Timothy is my son. You know, he's, this is my boy. You know, he is, there is no one on my ministry team like Timothy. Now, what if I did that as a pastor? It was like, what if I was like, Mark is the man. The rest of you, American church is so insecure, they'd be like, I can't work under this ministry. How many remember the great battle in the church between Barnabas and Paul over John Mark? They were both wrong in some ways. I used to think I had it nailed down, you know. I'm like, this is it. And the more I read it, I'm like, well, there's a lot here. I love what Paul does. Paul's like, go home, you baby. Barnabas is like, no, we got to grow him up. Well, you take him then. Now watch what God does. In the middle of that, God doesn't go, you're done, Paul, you're out. Paul, the Lord says, here's Silas. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's like, yeah, he's a little hard, but we're going to use him. He's going to go a whole lot further than anybody else does. That's how God is. And people are like, God's not that way. He's that way. He's that way. Trust me. Come on, remember the parable of the talents? He's that way. He'll find somebody that you don't like and give them the anointing. Just to rub your flesh the wrong way. And usually the reason you don't like them is because you're just like them. Usually, not always. You know, people say, I just don't like something about them. And it's your weakness. <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever noticed that about me? Okay, so... <laughs> so think about this all right he he they separate right and then later on in the books in the epistles paul's going down the list of all these ministers with him and then he he says send me mark send john mark to me not tell him i'm sorry for what i did not oh please john mark come back not any of this is what he says, it, for all recorded, for all us to read. This is what he says, for John Mark is useful to me. <laughs> Not none of this, Tim, I can't find another one like Timothy. He cares so much. None of that. He just says, send him, I can use him. Seems harsh, doesn't it? Maybe it's not. Maybe old John Mark needed a little bit of that. As my grandpa would say, a shot in the butt with a square needle. 
he had a lot of those good analogies. And he practiced them. Verse 22. I know we're a little over, but you'll enjoy it. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall... Oh, maybe we should just stop right here. Is Paul leaving this up to a random decision that he doesn't know? Read it. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall, I cannot tell. Who's choosing? Who's choosing? No. Yet what I shall choose. Now, let me ask you a question. How does Paul know what to choose? He hears from You are not ready to die until you hear from God. Listen to me. You have to hear from God first. You don't go until you hear. Now I'm going to give you another scripture right now to prove, because you need two, right, at least. I could give you more, but I'm just going to give you two. He says, but if I live on the flesh... If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Notice he's kind of cocky. You know, like Some people are like, well, you don't know if you'd have fruitful labor. And Paul's like, yes, I'd have fruit from my labor. People call that cockiness. It's confidence. Why is it confidence? Because he heard from heaven. He did not read the opinion section about his life over what other people thought he was supposed to do. He didn't wait for specific prophetic words from other people. Paul had fellowship, intimacy with God. He heard from God, and when he heard from God, their faith came with those words, and then he lived out those words by the grace and faith that was provided in the words. Listen to me, every one of you can hear from God. My sheep know my, and the voice of a stranger, they'll not follow. He says this, but if I live on the flesh, we know this is the body. He says it will be fruit from my labor, which means work or to toil as an effort or occupation. You know, in the grace message, we don't want to hear that. Oh no, I don't want to have to work. No, ministry is toil. Discipleship is toil. That's what it is. But you know where the grace is? In the toil. Do you know where the strength is? In the work. Do you know where the supply is? In the work. People say, well, I'm super anointed. Not to sit on your couch, you're not. <laughs> you know? People are like, I'm, not, I'm prosperous. And they lay on their couch all day. No, you're broke. I'm just going to believe God. Well, believe all the work scriptures. I got a little excited about that one, didn't I? It's just because I'm in the prosperity camp. And sometimes you look at people and go, seriously? You think you understand prosperity? And you're sitting around telling everybody how much money you need? You're just broke because you're lazy. Somebody say amen. He said, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. The word choose means to take or to choose. It means to select by the act of taking. To select by the act of taking. So, I loved what Mark said during worship. As long as, I, as long as I'm in the will of God and I'm doing what he wants me to do, I'm bulletproof. People say, oh no, it's not that way. It is exactly that way. It is exactly that way. And when do I go home? When God tells me. See, that's exactly what Mark said. He said, I'm not going home until God decides. So you say, what do you mean by that? I'm not talking about some random thing. If my father decides when I'm going home, I hear from him. And I go, you're right, let's do this. Nobody wants to talk about death, but we need to. Because physical, how many have noticed physical death happens? <laughs> Go over to, and we'll end here, uh, 
Second Peter. Maybe it's First Peter. I gotta find this scripture here. We'll end right here. No, I'm getting too far down here. I want to show you where Peter said the same thing. Oh yeah, Second Peter. I want to go to Second Peter. Okay. Anybody know where I'm going? Some of you scriptorians. Second Peter. I know it's in the Peters, but I didn't know which one. So Second Peter one. Come on now. Say this with me. I can know from the Lord when I'm to go. Okay. Now some people are going to be like. I don't know if I want to pray about that. Well, then you won't know. Stop being afraid and pray about it. Well, I'm only 21. Well, the Lord may say to you, I want you to live to be 91, but if you don't change the way you're doing things, you're going to get up here quicker. Oh, no, Jesus wouldn't say that. Yeah, he would. Have you read 1 Corinthians? Paul said, this is the reason why many of you are weak, sickly, and die prematurely. Die what? Prematurely, which means it's too soon. He said, because you don't discern what? The Lord's blood or his, you don't discern the Lord. Well, preacher, I don't think you should preach on this. It scares people. You're going to die. Face the fear. If, listen. The reason why people get afraid is simply because of this. They think they have to face it without God. They're looking at it in their own ability instead of through His. The scripture says you've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. Right? Is that true? I'm not asking you to tell me what you feel. I said, is it true? Yes, it's true. You've been delivered. Amen? So watch this. Uh, 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, sorry, 1, verse 14. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So reminding is a big deal. You'll see that through the epistles. Verse 13. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing. What? What is Peter saying? He what? That what? Shortly. What? I must put off my tent just as our did what? He did what? He showed Peter. And if he showed Peter, and if he showed Paul, he'll show you. Listen to me, so you can die in faith, not in fear. Come on. Stir, listen, I can feel fear leaving right now. Somebody say this with me. I'm called and anointed to live a long, to live a long, satisfied life. And that will only come, come on, stay with me. That will only come as I follow the Lord's plan for my life. Stand with me. So we're going to live a long, satisfied life. So what did Paul know? He knew he was getting out of that prison. Why did he know that? Because he heard from... He heard from God, right? So come on, let's do this too. I got to stir you up on this. Say this with me. Say, I hear from, from God. The Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I hear. When I pray... God hears me, and he answers me. And I'm patient for the answer. Say this with me. Say, I resist all fear, and I receive the faith from the word of the Lord to my own life. 
Come on, let the Lord talk to you about your life. In the process thereof, do the work. Labor, toil for Him. Do it. Don't worry about your life. And Holy Spirit, guys, I just, I got it. I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen this firsthand, my grandpa. I watched it. I've shared this before, but I got to share it again. He told me when he was 80 years old, I'm driving down the road with him after spending an entire day with him after I got out of Bible college my first year or my second year, I can't remember, but he wanted to go be with me for the day. I'm like, awesome, he's 80. He's probably going to die any minute. <laughs> my grandpa, 80, he's in the bucket 20 feet in the air, taking apart a greenhouse piece by piece, dropping the bolts down to me. I'm thinking, Grandpa, I should be up there. I was all of 25. My grandpa's like, no, you stay down there, boy. If you get out of line, I'm going to kick you. And if you knew my grandpa, that's exactly what he would do. People say, you love your grandpa? I absolutely love my grandpa. He only kicked me because I needed it. How I many appreciated good discipline? Yeah, if you need it, you need it, bugger. <laughs> you need a swift kick in the pants. That's what you'd say. He's 80. We're driving home. He says to me, and it's quiet. Windows are down because there's no air conditioning in the truck. How many had air conditioning? 55 miles an hour, two windows down. Okay, good. You know what I'm talking about. Struggle was real. <laughs> We're driving down the road. He looks at me and says, yep, yeah, I was praying the other day. I said, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, the Lord told me he'd give me another 11 years if I keep my nose clean. Now, does that sound like a scripture to you? Keep your nose clean? But you know, yeah. You know, how many know God speaks ranch hand? <laughs> right? Farmer. He said, I, I'll give you another 11 years to keep your nose clean. And my grandpa did. And he died at 91. 91. 91. And the only reason he went home is because he, he knew his purpose was done. But every day he woke up with purpose. Even after he retired, he still went out to Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch and trimmed trees. He worked 30 to 40 hours a week after he retired for nothing. And he was still walking around going, why are you guys sitting around here? There's work to do over here. <laughs> In fact, people got annoyed by it. And I'm thinking, you shouldn't be annoyed. You should pay attention to this man of God because what they did out at the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch is amazing. What God did through them is amazing. In fact, you go out there, you'll see Robert and Doris McFarland Plaza. It's in the middle of the Boys and Girls Ranch. Why? As a tribute to them for what? Their faithfulness to the call of God. And even after he's dead, he's still preaching. Say it with me. I'll live the full days out. I'll hear from God and do what he tells me. In Jesus' name. Be blessed. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.